How's that? All right, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here on the Sabbath day. Seems like uh, it's been a while. We've had some, I think, a couple weeks off for the weather because of the snow. It's been a pretty brutal winter so far, so hopefully everybody's making it through okay. And uh, we're not hit with the flu as hard as we were. It was a pretty tough flu season this year. But then I'd like to ask a question. If we had a poll, just sent a poll around to people and said, are you a good person? How many people do you think would answer yes? 100%. I think that's probably about right. If I asked every one of you, are you a good person? All right, if you had a poll, generally, what would you say? Yeah, we'd all pretty much say that we're good people. Everybody would. If we asked a poll, says, do you generally keep the Ten Commandments? I would bet you even atheists, especially atheists, just to prove a point, would probably say, oh yeah, I keep them. I could keep those, right? So here's my question. If everybody is a good person, and everybody pretty much keeps the Ten Commandments, why is the world so screwed up? How much divorce is there in the world today? Just look at our country, United States. What's the biggest cause of divorce? It's adultery. That's breaking one of the commandments. If I asked all those people if you're a good person, even if you've committed adultery, they'd probably say, yeah, I'm a good person. Look at the confusion that we have looking at the news. This term, I I really... I actually like this term, fake news, because I've suspected... I, I came to understand when I got out of the Marines and started actually pay, paying attention to the news that I couldn't believe everything I saw on TV. You start, it's like an awakening. You, you know, when you're a kid, you believe everything. You think that grown-ups know everything, and then you get to a point in your life where it's like, nope, they don't. Now I have to start paying attention There's so much confusion, but if I asked all those people in the news if they're telling the truth, how many of them would say that they're lying? They probably wouldn't. See, there's this concept called spin. Almost to the point where it's like, it's okay. It's okay to spin. Well, what is spin? Spin is maybe leaving out some details, maybe only showing information from a certain angle to try to get people to think a certain way or to see your point of view. Is that okay? A lot of people think it's okay. No problem, not a big deal. I want to look back. If all these sins in the world, all these things like adultery or stealing or, or you know, a lot of sin, what is one thing that it has in common? Why, why would people that maybe make mistakes or sin say that they're good people? What's the one commandment that they're breaking that, that is consistent with all of those? Wouldn't it be Deception. Aren't they deceiving themselves? Isn't there a commandment about lying? 
Let's go back to Exodus and look at that commandment. Exodus chapter 20. Because I was told when I was a kid, and I used to go to Sunday school, I didn't always keep the Sabbath. When I was growing up, I grew up in a Sunday-keeping church. One of the first things they taught me in Sunday school is the commandments, one of the commandments says, thou shalt not lie. Well, let's look and see what that commandment says. So here in Exodus chapter 20, this is where God actually shared with the Israelites or codified the commandments. Now, this doesn't mean that this was the first time that God shared commandments with the people because we know that before Moses, Abraham knew right and wrong. We had Melchizedek, we know about him, and so God, and there was sin before this, so the definition of sin, right? The commandments are the definition of sin. They define what's right and wrong. But this is where it was codified, and God revealed it again to the Israelites. And he says here, we go through, you could read the commandments about not making, excuse me, graven images, etc. The Sabbath day is the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother. And then we come all the way down to the ninth commandment. And it simply says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Now, I always look at that and say, well, why didn't God just say, thou shalt not lie? Why is it this weird language, like this legal language? What about this, what is false witness? And is it against my neighbor? Oh, well, that's actually not that hard. I mean, I can lie to my wife. It's okay, as long as I don't lie to my neighbor. I mean, if you just read it for what it is, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. What does that really mean? Does it mean it's okay in some cases to lie? There's actually a lot of articles I saw from Christian websites, different church organizations that say, hey, you know, lying actually isn't wrong. Bearing false witness against your neighbor is wrong, but lying is not wrong. What about a white lie, a little white lies? I saw this really, I, I love this commercial. It's one of my favorite commercials on TV now. There's this commercial, it's a car commercial. I don't remember the brand it's for, but uh, they're trying to promote how honest their car dealers are, so they have a lie detector test in the showroom. And uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a husband and wife there, and the salesman's like, yeah, go ahead, try the lie detector test. So the husband gets all up, and they're having a good time, and they say, go on. And then the wife, who's smiling, the husband's smiling, the wife gets this real devious look in her eyes. Who's prettier, me or my sister? And then the guy gets all flustered, rips all the cords off of himself. Now, if your spouse, if your wife were to ask you men, who's prettier, your wife or, or her sister, what, were you, what would you say? Even if, I don't know, I'm not even going to get into that because beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? It's like I don't even want to get even close to that type of question. But, would you lie if deep in your heart you actually thought her sister was prettier? What would the consequence be if you told the truth? <laughs> How about in other situations? What if it was something at work and maybe you made a mistake and you had to lie, you had a choice. I'm going to lie to my boss, it's just this little tiny thing, not a big deal. Or if I tell the truth, I could actually put my job at risk. 
After all, I'm a provider for my family. I have an obligation to provide for my family. I remember there was this, uh, I think it must have been maybe 10 years ago or something, maybe longer, maybe 20 years. Time goes by so fast. But remember, in, there was uh, someone that uh, went into a school and they were holding guns to people and asking them, are you a Christian? Was that a Columbine? And if they said they were a Christian, they'd pull the trigger. Now, would it be okay to lie in that situation? Is gossip lying? What about all this thing, stuff on the news? What about spin? You're not really telling a lie, but you're just kind of positioning your discussion from a certain angle to try to get people to think a certain thing, to see your perspective, your point of view. Is that lying? Is that bearing false witness against your neighbor? Well, I was thinking about these things, and so I thought maybe what we would do today is, is dive into this topic a little bit more deeply look at this commandment and try to understand what it really means and, as uncomfortable as it might seem, answer those, those questions. Are white lies okay? You know, the, the whole body of psychiatry actually says, they don't call them white lies, they call them, I'm trying to remember the term, I think they call them social, uh, social lies because it helps to maintain the social, and helps to promote friendships, maintain friendships. And then they have selfish lies. I think that's something along those lines. I don't remember the exact terminology. But psychiatry says, well, social lies or white lies are actually okay. They're good. But selfish lies, if it's for your own self-gain, that's destructive. So are these social lies okay? How many of us have ever lied? I'll tell you, when I was a kid, I used to think I was a pretty good liar until... I got caught, and I learned that my dad always knew when I was lying. Somehow, it was actually a good lesson. A lot of you parents I, I probably know exactly what we're talking about. So let's go ahead and look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. I just want to reference, there's another verse here, Exodus 23, verse 1. Thou shalt not raise a false report. That's interesting. Exodus 23, maybe just turn over a little bit, verse 1. Some clarity. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Don't be an unrighteous witness. Again, it's kind of making it seem like we're in some sort of court of law. Don't be an unrighteous witness. Matthew Hem um, Henry's commentary has an interesting commentary on this ninth commandment, Exodus chapter 20. He says, the ninth commandment concerns our own and our neighbor's good name. Well, that's interesting. Is this commandment about protecting ours and our neighbor's name? It says, you shall not bear false witness. This forbids speaking falsely in any matter, lying, equivocating, and in any way devising and designating 
or designing to deceive our neighbor, speaking unjustly against our neighbor, to prejudice of his or her reputation. In other words, and I can continue on, but what Matthew Henry says is this commandment is really about not destroying our neighbor's reputation. Let's look at some of the Hebrew words in this verse. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. So the first word I want to look at is, the, is a Hebrew word for false. It's uh, Strong's 8267, if you want to look it up at home. Um, sheker is the Hebrew word. And it's really a uh, number of different words are used to describe the meaning. One is a sham, something without a cause or unjust, unjustly, deceit or deceitfulness, of course, lying. Vain is another word. So it's almost like a wrong motive. You have a wrong motive and it's deceptive. So to be deceptive, hmm, so you mean if I just withhold certain information, even though I'm not lying, but I withhold certain information with the purpose of being deceptive, that's kind of what this word is saying. Anything where you have this motivation to deceive, Witness. What's this word witness mean? So the word witness is A-Y-D. I don't know how it's pronounced, but that's the Hebrew word. It's A-Y-D. And another word would be testimony or your word. So a deceitful word or your own testimony or word with the purpose of deceiving is what it's saying. And then the word neighbor is the Hebrew word reya, and it means an associate either close, more or less close to you, a brother, a companion, a fellow, a friend, a husband, a lover, a neighbor, or anyone. So I don't know about what, you know, when they translated this into English, the word neighbor, what the word really means is anybody. Anybody. So if I were to maybe read this with some of these different definitions... The ninth commandment would say, Thou shalt not be deceptive or bear deceptive testimony against anyone. But it still says against somebody. So when you deceive, you are actually harming somebody. You're harming them, you're harming their reputation. We've heard of this thing in the news nowadays where you know, President Trump has made comments that he wants to take a look at the libel laws that are on the books. What is libel? Libel is another word for slander. Slander is wrong. Slander is exactly another way to read the ninth commandment is thou shalt not slander. Because slander is a crime of making a false Spoken statement that damages a person's reputation. Any deceptive or false statement that damages the reputation of somebody else's slander. Isn't that what we just read that God said is the ninth commandment? Think of your experience. 
Have you ever said something about someone that might not have been totally true? That could have the consequence of making someone else lose esteem for that person? Maybe it had some impact on that person's reputation. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, maybe even not a friend, an enemy, a neighbor, someone in your neighborhood, talking about someone, oh, so-and-so, did you hear what so-and-so did at the pool party? Oh, were, were you there? No, I just heard about it. I heard, boy, that's terrible. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Boy, I wonder what kind of person, I wonder what's going on in that house. Could that be damaging to that person's reputation? What about at work? You ever talk about your boss and realize, boy, if your boss heard what you were saying, he wouldn't be very happy, or she? I have to admit, I've done some of these things personally. It's not just so, you know, I always think, thought of lying as, did you do this, yes or no? But it's not quite that straightforward. Passing on information that's not verified that could impact someone else's reputation is slander. It's breaking the ninth commandment. Of course, we go back to politics and the news. They might as well call it the slander news because that's all it is. And I don't care what side you're on. I'd like to say that the side I agree with tends to be all virtuous and right all the time. But come on. They don't always give the benefit of the doubt to people they disagree with. They have the same spin. They spin things to push their agenda just as much as the other side. Everybody is guilty, brethren. God says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let's go and look at a few scriptures of what God thinks about this this concept of slander and hurting someone's reputation. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 10. Just break in one quick script verse here. He that hides hatred... Oh, whoa, that's not so bad. Hiding hatred? What's wrong with that? I hide hatred. It's kind of like one of these white lies, isn't it? He that hides hatred with lying lips, and he that utters a slander is a fool. So that's interesting. This proverb has kind of both of these. Slander in one side, but also kind of deceiving people of what you really think, being dishonest. Turn with me over to Psalms chapter 50. Let's look over here. Just go back to Psalms chapter 50. We'll break into the text here in verse 16. But unto the wicked... God says, so here, God has clearly defined that what he is about to describe is associated with the wicked. Unto the wicked, God says, what have you to do to declare my statutes, or that you should take my covenant in your mouth? Just like that survey I gave out, where people say, I keep the commandments. 
Seeing you have instruction and cast my words behind you, when you saw, when you saw a thief, then you contendest, contendest with him. In other words, you, part- you uh, basically contended with the thief. You took, I think, participated with him and has been partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit. In other words, you're dishonest. You sit and speak against your brother, that's slander, and you slander your own mother's son. So here, God is clearly saying that these types of activities, deceitful, speaking, slander, he describes as wicked. He says in Proverbs 11, a hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Again, talking about slander. And we know that the, the first person that slanders, the original slanderer, is no more, no one else but, but Satan the devil. We're told that Satan is the father of all lies, but if we look here in Revelation chapter 10, 12, verse 10, I'll just read it. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation, the strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. In other words, Satan, that's his job. He goes before God day and night and slanders all of us. He accuses us. He wants to harm our reputation. Brethren, when we partake in that, when we do that, we have to be very careful because we are acting like Satan the devil. We are not acting like Christ. Slander is wrong. What is the effect of slander? Think about what happens when you destroy someone's reputation. So you had a neighbor that you think did something, and then you go around the neighborhood and tell everybody about how bad of a neighbor that is. You think that neighbor is going to have any friends anymore in the neighborhood? Could lose his job, could cause problems in their marriage, problems with the children. Once a reputation is destroyed, it's very difficult to get it back. What is bullying? Isn't bullying nothing more than, you know, all this online bullying? There are kids that actually commit suicide because of the online bullying. They used to say sticks and stones can break your bones, but names can never hurt you. Well, tell that to the parents of a kid who committed suicide because of online bullying. What is it? They destroy a kid's reputation. It is so evil, brethren, to do that to somebody. It's terrible. God hates it. What about gossip? Is gossip lying? Passing on information about other people, whispering on the phone, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? How many of us have ever gossiped before? I know I have. I'm guilty. Let's see what God says about gossip. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19.
Leviticus chapter 19, we'll just break right here, verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, You shall be holy. What a commandment. What a commandment. You shall be holy. Imagine if the world, if everybody was holy, if they all tried to be like God, had God's character. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. In other words, God wants us to be like him. You know, I was so flattered this morning. I was down working on my notes, and Jason came downstairs with two ties, or two or three ties. He says, Dad, Dad, what tie are you wearing today? I go, why? He says, because I, I, I want to, can you help me pick out one of these ties that's going to be like your tie? Is Jason here? Here, stand up. Look at Jason. Look at him. He looks just like his dad, doesn't he? I was so flattered because my little boy wanted to look just like my dad. That's God telling us, be holy as I am holy. God wants us to look like him. And how flattered do you think he is when we try? All right? That's what he's saying here. Be holy as I am holy. Verse 11. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, and neither lie one to another. So now he's taking it to the next level. Not only just bearing false witness against a person you know, for the reputation, now he is taking it to say, don't lie to each other. I thought maybe at the beginning of the sermon, maybe it was okay. A couple white lies are okay, but we'll see. It says, and you shall not swear by my name falsely. It's a way of slandering God by taking his name in vain, swearing by his name falsely. Neither shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor. So again, now it's getting back to the neighbor's reputation. Neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God, I am the Lord. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. In other words, God wants justice. He wants us to have good judgment, to be good judges. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor. Now wait a second. What does that mean? We shouldn't respect the poor? We'll keep reading. It says, nor honor the person of the mighty. In other words, we shouldn't give more respect to the mighty or the poor. We should treat everybody equally. Everybody should be treated the same. Poor, rich, weak, mighty, doesn't matter. God said he's not an, a respecter of persons like we are. He says, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. In righteousness, righteous judgment is what God wants of us. Righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. He values justice. Verse 16, you shall not go up and down as a table bearer among your people. Now what does that mean? 
What does it mean to not go up and down as a table bearer? Well, the table bearer, the concept of the table bearer is someone that goes around trying to endear themselves always to people, trying to win friends, a table bearer, gossip. That's gossip. Trying to share exclusive information to try to endear people to you at the expense of the person you're talking about. Thou shalt not go up and down as table bearer among your people, neither shall you stand against the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall in any wise rebuke your neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. You shall not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. One of the greatest, those great commandments that Jesus talked about in Matthew. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19, it says, He that goes about as a table bearer reveals secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flatters with his lips. Again, this concept of table bearer is someone that's going around sharing secrets so that they can flatter and win friends. It's wrong, brethren. Gossip is wrong. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Now here, the Apostle Paul is giving Timothy instruction and how different people should behave, what good behavior is, what, what righteous living is all about. We'll start from verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if, they, if she have diligently followed every good work, but the younger widows... Refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation, because they have cast off their first faith. And withal, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. In other words, he's saying, don't be like this. Don't be like this. It's a condemnation from Paul about gossiping. Don't do it. Gossip is selfish. It's hearsay. It's sharing information that's not verified that you don't know about, all with a selfish intent of trying to win friends. It's also, as I see it, brethren, you can make your own judgment, but as I see it, it's breaking that ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. What about this concept of white lies? I saw a couple arguments on the internet, brethren, and they pointed to a story back in Exodus chapter 1. Let's go back there. Exodus chapter 1, and they'll say about the midwives 
saving the lives of the Hebrew. Let's look at this. They say the midwives lied. And God said it was okay. Is that what happened? Let's go back and look at Exodus chapter 1. About what these midwives did. Because there's a few scriptures in the Bible where it seems like God is saying, hey, it's okay to lie. Is that really what happened? Exodus chapter 1. We'll break in in verse 16. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Shiphrah, and the name of the other uh, Puah, I guess. I don't know. Don't know how to pronounce it. And he said, When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew woman, and see upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. So here was a decree from Pharaoh to kill the sons of all the Hebrew when they were born. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come into them. In other words, they delivered their babies before we were able to get there. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. Did the midwives lie? Was God pleased with it? At first read, it seems like the midwives lied to Pharaoh and there was no problem because they did it to save the lives of the firstborn. In James, we're told, James chapter 25, James says, Likewise also was not Rahab, uh, I'm sorry, I was It's a different one about Rahab. We'll get there in a second. But here, talking about these midwives, did they really lie? What was God happy about? I thought about this, and I thought, well, there's three scenarios here what God could be pleased with. What if the midwives just delayed going to to visit the Hebrew women? What if they just didn't go? Then what they said was true. The midwives gave birth before they could get there. What if they told the Hebrew women what was going to happen? Hey, there's a decree from Pharaoh. If we come, we're going to have to take the firstborn or or your your son. We're going to have to kill him. There is such a thing called inducing childbirth. There's ways to do that. Maybe that's describing what would cause them to be more vigorous and give birth before they could get there. That's a legitimate scenario. Or maybe God performed a miracle and allowed them to give birth more quickly before they could get there. 
So there's three scenarios where the midwives didn't lie for being honest with Pharaoh, but still were pleasing to God. So I guess my, hopefully I can show that for the skeptic that says that God said it was okay to lie, maybe not. Maybe this story is just about the fact that he was happy with the midwives for protecting the Hebrews and their, their uh, sons and maybe didn't even lie to Pharaoh. Maybe told him the truth. There's another one here, Joshua chapter 2. Let's look over here. This is about Rahab. So here when Joshua sent spies into over the Jordan and into the, into the land to spy on the land that they were going to go into, there was a woman named Rahab. So turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. Let's look at this one. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men hither to night of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab. So he heard about it and he said, Okay, go, go find this woman Rahab and let's find these guys. He sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to you, which are entered into your house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I was not whence they were. So she hid them, and then she did tell a lie, didn't she? That's pretty clear. She lied. She lied to protect them. If you keep reading, she hid them up in the roof under a bunch of hay or something. But when the king's servants went, she said, Yeah, they came to me, but I don't know where they went. The woman took the two men and hid them, and thus said, There came me unto they, there came men unto me, but I wist not where whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I, w- I what not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. In other words, they, they, they went away. I don't know where they went. You better go find them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which he had laid in order upon the roof. Now we can read in James chapter 2, and that's where I went before. James said, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? So James is even saying, isn't Rahab justified by her works? So what did she do? She hid them, protected them, and then she lied about it. Pretty interesting. Well, I'll just ask you. The fact that Rahab lied and God was pleased for the work that she did, for the good work of saving those spies, does that mean that lying is okay? 
What about King David when he committed adultery? And yet God still was pleased with David afterwards. David repented. Didn't we just say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Yet it's through Christ and his sacrifice that God has mercy and forgives sins. I look at this and it makes me question, well, is God really saying that lying is okay or is God just being merciful knowing that Rahab sinned? Let me ask this question. If Rahab told the truth, did God have the power to protect those spies? Of course he did. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the story of the fiery furnace? Now, there are some guys that didn't lie. They told the truth at the expense of they thought they were giving up their life, and yet God miraculously protected them in the fire. I think the only thing we can do, brethren, is go back to the definitive statements of God in the Bible of whether or not he says lying is okay or whether he says it's wrong. And we know that the ninth commandment is very clear. It is a command. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And we read, thou shalt not lie. So I personally go back to those definitive statements and choose to look at this and say, thank God for his mercy. Rahab was a harlot. She was a sinner. She was a harlot. Doesn't make harlotry okay because God was pleased with what she did. See what I'm saying? I'd like you to just reference a couple examples of people that didn't lie, that told the truth, even in the face of death. We can look at Stephen, Acts chapter 7, and read the story of Stephen. He had done great works. He was a powerful witness. The Pharisees brought Stephen up before him and said, account for yourself. And he gave them a sermon like you wouldn't believe if you read about it in Acts chapter 7. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 1, the Pharisees said, Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And Stephen had a choice. Do I tell the truth or do I lie? He told the truth. You could read in Acts chapter 7, 59, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So here, Stephen actually gave up his own life because he refused to lie. He told the truth. And you can continue to read. Saul was there, consenting unto his death. And we know what happened to Saul. That was probably one of the things that convicted him and allowed Saul to be converted. And what a powerful work God did through the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles. If someone were to put a gun in front of my face and said, tell me the truth, are you a Christian? I can't tell you honestly right now what I would do. I'll say this, though. If I say yes, 
I'm opening a door for God to perform some sort of miracle, aren't I? If I stand up for truth and say yes, one of two things are going to happen. Either God will save me miraculously or God will let it happen. And like Stephen, maybe a great work and a great witness might result of it. God says all things work for the good for those who love him. If I lie, what am I doing? I'm kind of preventing God from doing all that good work. I'm saving myself. I don't know what I would do, but logically I can see that telling the truth in a situation like that is really a measure of my faith. May all of us have faith to tell the truth. Faith like Stephen. Faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Brethren, what are the negative consequences of lying? Lies destroy trust. Trust destroys relationships. Lack of trust destroys relationships. God says, woe to those who sow seeds of division. He wants us to be together. Lies cause division. Lies lead to more lies. My dad always used to tell me, tell the truth because then you don't have to remember anything. If you lie, oh boy, there you go. You're starting to tangle a web, getting tangled in this web because a lot of times if you told a lie, guess what's going to happen? You've got to tell another lie to protect that lie and then another lie to protect that one. And before you know it, you can't remember what you said three lies ago. That causes stress. Because the lie might come back and bite you someday. And I've seen it happen. 10, 20 years later, a lie can come back and... Because I'll tell you, I'm learning that women don't forget anything. Ever. 20 years ago, a woman can remember an exact conversation. Trust me. Lies lead to more lies. Once you start down the road of dishonesty and lies, brethren, it's hard to get off of that path. Lies lead to more sin. Fraud. Stealing from somebody. What goes along with it? A lie. Slander. Lies. Think of some of the most horrific things that have ever happened in human history. The Holocaust. Millions of Jews destroyed in concentration camps. What was that based off of? It was based off of the lie that the Jews were not human. They were like animals. And people believed it. Lies lead to death and destruction, brethren, in every scenario. Now, what about the little white lie that, you know, am I talking about just being perfectly blunt in every single case? Well, there's also a concept of wisdom, and you could also hold your tongue. You don't have to say anything. When someone comes up and 
maybe they don't look their best and they ask you, how do I look? Is it wrong? Is it a lie to, to be kind? Well, may God put good wisdom and judgment in your self because I also think that that could cause divisions. Being perfectly blunt and a, you know, Apostle Paul says, with all, everything that you have in your power, try to live peaceably with all men. So in light of all this, on contrast, what does truth do? Truth builds trust. It builds and protects relationships. It leads to justice. It allows people to grow. Even telling the truth about, you know, am I a good singer? You can do it in a kind way, a gentle way, but maybe you tell someone, yeah, maybe you need to practice a little bit more. You lie to them, they never get better. nice thing about the truth is it clears your conscience. You don't have to stress and worry about things. It doesn't lead to that big tangled web. It's free. I think that's what Jesus means when he says the truth will set you free. I believe he means it's free from stress. So what should we do about all this, brethren? James tells us, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, then you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's just read Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll break in in verse 23. Here we're told, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Have a new spirit inside of you. And that you, may, that you put on a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Drop down to verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Kind of going along the lines of being kind and nice with your words. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Brethren, we, uh, we should be honest with ourselves, honest with each other. We shouldn't lie. We should love the truth, hold on to the truth. Lies come from Satan. God hates them. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12, But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Jesus will hold us accountable for everything we say, brethren. Every word. Truth matters to God. We're told in John that Jesus says, that his word is truth. God is a spirit of truth. 
We're told in John chapter 4, Jesus, his own words, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Brethren, God loves the truth because the truth is healing. May God give us the understanding and the, and the faith and the confidence, brethren, to rely on him that if we tell the truth, things will work out for the good. Imagine what the world would be like. I remember, I think Garner Ted said this one time in a sermon, and he, he much more eloquently than I can, he, he kind of shared these examples. Imagine what the world would be like if everybody in the world just kept that one commandment. Imagine the news if everybody just told the truth without slander, without their little spin, without ex, you know, keeping out certain details. Just told the truth. Would you need all these lawyers and judges? Our court systems would have much more justice, wouldn't they? How much stronger would families be if if everybody told the truth, there probably would be less behaviors that they needed to lie about. If you know what I'm saying. Truth-telling would leave, lead to better behavior because their behaviors would be exposed. People would tell the truth. You wouldn't have gossip. We'd be looking out for each other. Someone who tries to... Hey, no, no. Uh, that person... That's a friend of mine. I'd appreciate it if, you know, you didn't talk about that person to me. If you have a problem with that person, please go take it up with him or her. That's the right way to handle it. Don't gossip. Don't, let, don't partake in it and don't, you know, don't be the one gossiping. Be very careful when you start getting on a high horse on a soapbox and talking about somebody. Especially if you don't like them. Because we're told to love our enemies. Not anybody can love their friends, but we as Christians who are taking on the character of Christ should set the example. What a witness it is when someone knows we don't like this person, but when someone tries to talk bad about him, we stand up for him. Hey, don't talk bad about that person. They work hard. They're honest. I thought you didn't like him. Yeah, we don't get along, but hey, it's a good person. What a testament to God's character, to Christ living in you when you do that. God is truth, brethren. He wants us to stand up for the truth. In the millennium, in the world tomorrow, truth will be the law of the land. And people will keep live that way. They will be honest. It'll be a wonderful world, brethren. It'll have a tremendous impact on our lives, families, everything. And may God give us the strength and the courage and faith to always tell the truth and to never, ever slander or hurt the reputation of anybody else.